0: the garden help you need now mid-south gardening powered by palladio home and garden with your hosts vada vance kenneth mabry and jim crowder
1: Good morning, good morning, welcome Welcome to the Mid-South Gardening We're here to garden with you today and enjoy I'm Beta with Palladio
2: And I'm Jim Crowder, retired nurseryman And uh, um, administrator of our Facebook group, Mid-South Gardening We hope you'll uh, enjoy the show And hope you'll uh, join our group if you haven't already And if you haven't looked outside, it's raining So there's not much gardening here this morning
1: Exactly Give us a call, 260 5926 or 844-747-8868, and Kenneth is probably in Florida, or Yeah, on his, on his, way, on back. his way
2: back this morning, I think. So. Yeah,
1: so we'll just do this ourselves. I was almost late where you were going to have to do it all by yourself. If anybody's going down Walnut Grove, don't. Yeah, so,
2: you know, I, I wouldn't sit in front of the camera, though, you know, for y'all's safety. For,
1: um, so. oh right right you would just sit over there sit over so, here. so nobody could see you i got yeah. you. oh wait let me try that <laughs> but anywho um what a week we've had um i've enjoyed the week but it's still a little warm yeah if we're wanting fall to happen but um when we got our pansies in they were they're local we buy local and uh they were kind of like well where's the cool weather (laughs) but after the great rain and the sunshine and we had pansies are perking up and looking great it's kind of it is it's time to start with the pansy planting yep
2: you know and it's it's tough because so many of your annuals are just really looking good now after recovering from the heat and and uh, so they're some of them are at their best
1: yeah you're exactly right i had a container that i thought "Ah, i'm done with this But I never could get to it to redo it, freshen it up. And then after this week or so, it's beautiful now. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, that's good. I don't have to do any more work, but I need to take the summer stuff up because it's going to fry. Yeah, you do. And
2: you need to get it quick, you know. Um, Mm, Been a lot of chat this week about the unavailability of bulbs um, a lot of places have got signs up, you know, saying due to shipping shortages mm-hmm. there, uh, we've not been able to get bulbs. Uh, most of the independents, I think, have either have them or they're on their way right now because they place orders back, you know, basically mm-hmm. right after they get their spring right. bulbs, they're ordering their fall bulbs. Yeah. Um, But, uh, you know, what I have seen in a few of the... Um, box stores is, uh, you know, some bag bulbs, and and they're okay, but they're smaller Mm -hmm. than I really think you should get for, you know, what you're paying. They
1: almost seem half dry also. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Um, So, you know, I know the shipping delays are an issue, but there's also, we've had two banner years of planning, and I think people, uh, I know that many of the nurseries oversold you know, mm. they have a chance to get money for their nursery stock. And so now they don't have a lot of backup stuff, you know, mm. and I expect this next year we're going to have another banner year, you know, uh,
1: with and, the gardening and with all, gardening
2: yeah. and all aspects of it. People wanting to add bulbs and, and they're just it's going to be difficult to find, you know, particularly quality stuff. Right. You know, because uh, you always advocate if you're going to buy a bulb, spend the extra bucks. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking about. $0.30 cents versus $0.55. Cents.
3: Yeah, exactly, <laughs> you know? exactly. It's not
2: a whole lot of dollars, but buy a top-quality bulb. You'll get better results for a number of years with the exception of tulips. Um And, you know, if you're going to buy tulips for an annual, which they're going to be in most places, almost always... Uh, spend the extra bucks Get the big flower Because you know? this
1: is your One time thing That's right Yeah so the bigger The bulb Then the more show You're going to have
2: Right You know And if you can Buy them now Because when you think About planting them Around Thanksgiving You're not going to mm-hmm. Find much Yeah, yeah So selection. get them now Slap them in the fridge you know, keep them cool. No ripening fruit in there. No pears, apples, bananas, things like that. Right. Because um, it has that
1: gas that emits. Right. then ethylene they will gas. not bloom.
2: You know, and that's funny because ethylene gas will prevent some things from blooming, and yet yeah. it makes some things yeah. bloom. Right. It's so, like, which one
1: do you guess at? Right. But, but in this know. case, <laughs>
2: don't put them in the fridge. Don't No bananas in there or anything like that. Um, but the longer you can chill them, the better results you're going to get. You know, here particularly, if you plant them right, if you just go buy them and plant them at Thanksgiving, you're going to get, if you plant a hundred bulbs, you're going to get varying heights of the stem. Uh, whereas if you buy them now, put them in the fridge and get a good 12 weeks of chilling on them, uh, put them in, then, uh, you're going to get a hundred flowers that don't vary, you know, uh, Any, they'll just be exactly the same height. Mm -hmm. So because that cold helps regulate that stem length,
1: right? And you can do succession plantings too. Absolutely, like the tulips, you can do some this week, some. What do you do every week? Or well,
2: yeah, you well you could, you know. But Mm -hmm. also pay attention when you buy tulips because there are early, mid, and late bloomers naturally. You know, uh, particularly if you're doing pots where you can layer them in the pots, put them three layers Mm -hmm. deep. Uh, and start with, you know, an early bloomer, put a mid-bloomer in and a late bloomer. But the deeper you are, the slower they're going to come. which um, so, some people do that because yeah. they want them to wait. Because you'll have a succession of flowers then for, you know, I don't know, six or eight weeks. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. I always want them blooming at Easter. Yeah. <laughs> but Easter runs around so many different weeks that it's almost impossible to get it Mm -hmm. seems like mine were always about to go out when easter came but daffodils you don't have to put in the refrigerator yeah and um there are a few native bugs bugs yeah Yeah, (laughs) there yeah quite a few um yeah some native like uh the species tulip doesn't look like our regular tulip but it's still interesting
2: they are they're real pretty most of them are fairly short yeah. Uh, they're good ones to put right at the pathways and that yeah, sort of thing. Yeah,
1: exactly. Don't so, put it back in the back for like a cute little burst of color because you don't even see them. That's right. Same with the hyacinths. Same way. You don't even see them. Yeah, But if I, you get them close to your... And they'll last
2: yeah. many, many years. When I moved into the house I'm in, which uh, right at 20 years ago, there were some planted at the front door. Mm-hmm. And they have come back every year. And had a few flowers on them, yeah. and they're in virtually no sun. You ah, know, wow. they are of course during the winter. You know, early when they come up, but mm-hmm. they you know most of the summer they're all in shade. But they they come back every single year, and even just a couple little flowers on them is still fragrant enough for me mm-hmm. to smell it if I walk out the front door.
1: Yeah, yeah, and they're, and they're beautiful, and you can even do and do them for like cut flowers. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a good thing, too. Now, do you so,
2: use caution with your handling yeah. hyacinths because they they have an oil on them that uh, most people are allergic to. So you uh, end up start itching pretty bad.
1: Yeah, when I heard that, I went, really? I don't know. I've taken the skins off the bulbs, you know, mm-hmm. trying to make them more pretty.
3: <laughs> more, <prettier. laughs> more desirable more gooder.
1: for someone to good or to really want to reach out and buy that bulb. <laughs> because bulbs are, are kind of, um, hard to sell really because a lot of people don't want to put something in the ground that they don't see until next
2: spring yeah i know and it's, that's always been tough for bulbs because most people don't think about them until they see them mm-hmm. and then they want them and of course you yeah. should have planted them four months ago yeah uh, so and
1: there's the thing where people do or growers do have bulbs and um, tulips and pots you're right and some people go well can i just plant that but just think, a tulip bulb would be dollar fifty, maybe a big one. And then, um, if you bought the tulips from a florist, that would be like twelve dollars <laughs> a tulip. So it's definitely worth planting early because imagine doing twelve dollars $12 tulip all in your in a row. You know, trying to make it look good, so way more expensive that way. And um, what other kind of bulbs do I love? I mean. The tulips and the hyacinths are the ones you refrigerate. Isn't there another one? How about ranunculus?
2: Well, you know, anemones and a ranunculus are a little hard to do here. Yeah. What I've had best luck with is keeping them in the fridge until mm-hmm. the ground is extremely cold in January and then planting them just below the surface yeah. uh, and got them to come up and bloom. But, you know, I, I've never had them successfully come back. Now, right. some places that... You know, our Chattanooga listeners may have a little better success with them. Yeah, because
1: I've tried and I thought it was really me. And then I heard they didn't do that, that you struggled with them. But Mm -hmm. for me, just a few little blooms was just worth it to do that. Um, But uh, those native ones, what were we talking about? Bulbs. (laughs) (laughs) I looked up. And saw something that got my attention and totally forgot what we were talking about. She has so,
2: caught my disease.
1: Oh, no. You know, I was
2: trying to type in a password here. We had uh, got from uh, one of the producers and you know, I had to look at it like three times because I couldn't remember <laughs> I know, how, what it was. I know. So the bad thing
1: in. is I've done that my entire <laughs> life. So what's going to happen now?
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we do want to welcome back Claire, our producer this morning. She, has, uh, she started us years ago she was our producer and um and she's visiting this morning hopefully permanently so (laughs) we try uh, yeah
1: (laughs) we try well i am reckon it's time to go to a break okay yeah
2: well then we're going to go to a break we'll be back to answer your questions you can give us a call here nationwide 844-747-8868 you're listening to kwam
0: Call with your garden questions now. 844 747 8868. You're listening to Mid South Gardening.
1: Welcome back to Mid South Gardening. If you have gardening questions, give us a call toll free 844-747-8868. For just
2: joining us this, this morning, um, this program is a little different than a lot. You know, we don't um, we don't sit here and read somebody else's stuff to you. <laughs> um, right. Oh, we, what?
1: We don't do what? Yeah,
2: right. <laughs> She's sitting over looking at her phone.
1: See, I didn't have no cheat sheets <clears throat> on there. Uh,
2: normally, we have three people in the studio. Kenneth's on vacation this week. But right. we are um, just So three we get to talk. Who have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kenneth, Kenneth has, um,
3: he is
1: Gift the. Gift of gab. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. I thought I'd help you out there. That's a
2: good good way to put it. <laughs> um, but we the three people have been in this business for over a hundred and something years we're not really sure about because mm-hmm. we don't know um we don't know Veda's age yeah, um, but anyway uh, <laughs> but we all started at a young age and we've been doing this you know most of us thirty forty years or more so um you get real practical experience here from people who've done it multiple times and failed usually mm-hmm. and we come in contact with really hundreds of thousands of people who have um made mistakes or don't want to make mistakes and we've been able to help them through that and that's why we're here every right. week. Well imagine
1: uh, at least 5 to 10 times a day. Oh 5 yeah. times a day and worked in this industry for like maybe 30 years. Yeah, maybe maybe that's probably a little too much. So that's Mine's a lot of questions. So, See, anyway. I was speechless. I just went <laughs> speechless. But the thing was, is I never, I wanted to know deeper into the question. Yes. You know, because you mm-hmm. learn, you know, real quick, like, this is the bugs, what you kill. But I wanted to learn how to, or what the birds, birds, the bugs' whole cycle was. I just wanted to know that's that. Right. And
2: that's important, you know. Uh, it's not as important for homeowners because if you're going to a professional like us that have been in the industry, we're going to tell you uh, whether directly or not, but we're going to tell you how to do it and when to do it to get the best results.
1: Yeah, when to do it's the big thing. That's yeah. the key.
2: And, in, uh, in targeting a particular type of insecticide with, you know, towards an insect depends on what stage the insect's in. So, um, that's stuff that you'll never hear, you know, or we mm-hmm. usually don't have the hours to sit down, and explain it to you. Yeah. Uh, yes. So we give you a brief here, take this home and spray it. It'll work.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah so. We'll just, and then so um, oh, we were talking about the bulbs, the daffodils and all yeah. that, but the one thing, the seasonal bulbs, the seeds. Yeah. Those, those are true. really important. Yes. Yeah, seasonal Christmas is what the next big bulb phase is like the amaryllis. You've seen the amaryllis wrapped in, um, Candle wax. Wax. Yeah. And they actually work great. And they're good gifts. And um, they're just different. But when those first came out, I was thinking, okay, there's no way. But then I thought about it. A bulb stores its energy.
2: Yeah. You know, they've been waxing roses for years uh, to sell them. And it helps keep them from dehydrating on the shelf. Basically, that's what it's for. Yeah. Um, So so this one
1: you don't have to find a pretty jar for. You just set it on the counter (laughs) and move on. That's right. Um, the paper whites. Yes, those are the ones that are, that you get two answers. I hate them or I love right. the smell. And there are a couple different varieties. And some have the long stem, some are a little bit shorter. But you know, I like the long stems because I have this tall vase mm-hmm. it's a round cylinder and so I plant them in the bottom and then they grow up and then the flowers are kind of at the top but that vase is keeping the um, foliage from falling over
2: right and if yours are falling over if they're getting too tall or um, but you can actually shorten them in. And you do that with a little alcohol. Yeah. Uh,
1: Not either. rubbing alcohol. Well, actually, rubbing alcohol will work. Oh, darn. I wanted to have yeah, an excuse but, to know, get the other.
2: Yeah. It gives me a reason to buy the other. <laughs> right. Drinking alcohol. Yeah. You know. But if you mix you up a 5% solution of alcohol and put it in the water, uh, it will shorten the stems and make them stiffer and stockier uh, and um, keep them from falling over.
1: Isn't that amazing? It really is. But who discovered that yeah you know like where they and s- also
2: viagra works if you i drop
1: knew the- you were gonna I, say well, that you know
2: that just amazes me who the hell i'm He's sorry gonna give <laughs> one who up that <laughs> uh,
1: yeah and why okay let's go why, back to the pretty you- christmas bulbs <laughs> that's not a good way to sell them somebody uh. might eat them <laughs> so anyway um yeah, okay. The paper whites and the amaryllis. A lot of people get those for Christmas gifts. It's just to me, it's part of Christmas. Right. I don't know why, but it is. Well, I do know why. Gardeners in your family, and that was something that was a gift. And so was a bag of manure as a gift, or mm-hmm. at least a gift card. It's yeah. hard to write wrap a bag of manure. We had
2: uh, there was a, a gentleman who we uh, he's passed away now here in Memphis, uh, Mr. Kirkpatrick, and he had every year a standing order with us. We had the largest amaryllis bulbs that you have ever seen. Gosh, you know I can most the, most of the independents didn't have them near the size. This company was out of Holland, and they would only sell one retailer per uh, per town. Uh, so we had this, and they'd always send us some cheese or something smuggled in there. It was kind of <laughs> cool, but um, these were huge bulbs, and he had a standing order for like twenty-five of them. He had a dinner at Christmas, and and so every year we could depend on that, and it yeah. was a great gift. His his friends loved them,
1: especially since they're big and so, different. And we yeah. would
2: start them in time to get them to bloom, so they were just buds beginning to pop when. Um, uh, he got them, so it
1: Perfect was, uh, timing. Yeah, it I see. I noticed last year and maybe I was off some, but it seemed like the pinks were slower.
2: Well, pinks and whites tend to be slower uh, than the reds. And, um, in fact, we'll sometime during the show, we'll tell you how to, how to f- force those that you've already had for a while how into blooming it around Christmas. That's true. We always started, uh, you know, fresh balls from Holland. We'd start the reds uh, about the 10th to 12th or so of November, Uh, and they would be in bud stage at Christmas, whereas we needed to start the whites and pinks 10 to 14 days earlier uh, to get them. Now, a lot of that depends on how warm your air temperature is where you've got the pot, mm-hmm. whether it gets sun on it, uh, that you can swing 10 days, you know we used to put them, if they were slow, put them up on top of the refrigerator yeah. and it would speed them up because the warm air coming over the top
1: right. if they're trying to bloom too soon, get them closer to a colder window, that's right mm-hmm. uh, you can control it that way kind of like a number of plants you bring them in, I'll be, be right be right back
3: <laughs> Have a good day.
1: Good morning and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. If you have any gardening questions, give us a call. Toll free, 844-747-8868. And we do have our early bird caller, Jerry. Good morning, Jerry. Good
4: morning.
2: How can we help you this morning, my friend?
4: Uh, i got a couple of questions. Uh, What's the... as I was talking to that, There's some nursery over on Poplar Avenue. I was talking to them the other day on the phone. Some sweet girl named Michaela said, yep. y'all had daffodil bugs, and you bought enough of them, and you get them for 10 cents a dollar. Man, well, That's a thought,
1: deal. That, that, oh.
2: that is a deal. <clears throat> yeah.
4: And she said I'd have to talk to some old guy in there. I don't know who that would be.
2: That's probably the, That'd probably be Kenny.
1: Yeah. That's old guy. He's the old guy. Oh, well, how are we? We're, we're to that stage, huh? He, he's supposed
2: to be there today, so I can't
1: have no fun then. No, yeah, no, he's no a, fun. He's,
2: no. Uh, he's still recovering from vacation. She
4: was real
1: sweet. Yeah, uh, they have some nice people there. Yeah. Wonder, so, they got
4: some, I'm going to call them early blooming azaleas.
2: How early do you want them to bloom?
4: Like first of
2: the season. Well, the earliest blooms like some are,
4: don't bloom. All the others are bloom. They finished blooming.
2: The earliest ones are going to be your Karoom azaleas. That's uh, uh, in a red Hondo de Giri, a pink <laughs> Coral Bell, white would be snow. Now they the one drawback of those real early bloomers is once the flower dries, it tends to hang on to the plant. So when it's done, you need to shear the plant to get it to yeah, get those flowers off. I've been to-
1: yeah, I don't like that one, unfortunately, because the flowers are hanging out. Well,
2: there are some really unusual ones that, that are nice, mm-hmm. uh, there's some high, some Karoom <clears throat> hybrids. One of my favorite ones is one called Hampton Beauty. It's a beautiful shell pink, uh, kind of semi-double flower, uh, can get with time about five feet tall. Um, but it it does right after you bloom it, and it's really not not that difficult to do. In fact, I've even taken a leaf rake and just raked across the top of them mm, and yeah. pulled most of the blooms off. But you can uh, you can just shear them back, and what that actually does is increase the number of flowers you'll have next year, and you'll end up right. with a plant that'll be almost solid color. You won't be able to see green in it at all when it's in bloom. In in the
4: front of the house, I've got some. Let's see, it's five. Three of them are uh, the um, Encore. Yeah. They got so big, I had to cut them way back last year, so they didn't bloom in the spring or the, the summer.
1: Right, right. How, how, much,
2: how much sun are they getting? A
4: uh, couple hours, maybe.
2: Okay. Well, they would even actually benefit by a little more sun and bloom better for you. Encores are not like traditional azaleas because of their, their parentage. Uh, they really need five or six hours of strong full uninterrupted sunlight to get your best particularly repeat bloom out of them
4: that must be why I'm i i got some around an oak tree that yeah i had be up pretty good a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and those things have been blooming all summer
1: yeah that's got it must be an encore yeah you got you got
2: some sunlight on them mm-hmm. apparently
4: but then the other ones i have got... uh I've got two that after everything else blooms, they decide to bloom. Yeah. So at least they're in the same bed.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: But That's fine. Stuff hanging on. I've got some white ones. I keep them trimmed like a snowball. Because so they're like big white snowballing when they bloom.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: The only downside to it is once they bloom, and you know, I, I cut them way back. It looks like they're about dead. And then they come back and by this time of the year, they start to look. look shaggy out there, but come spring, there'll be a big snowball. Cool. So I'm just thinking about it. But I need some uh, daffodils. I know this time to wait till Thanksgiving.
1: Yeah, now yeah. you can. You should get them now. Yeah, yeah.
2: You could actually put them in the ground now. Uh, not tulips, but you could put daffodils in. They're going to sprout anyway when we're in warm temperature. But they're not going to bloom yeah, till haven't. next spring.
1: Yeah, because yeah. they can freeze. And even if the uh, stems are up out of the ground, the foliage, it's okay with daffodils.
4: That's what we did last year. I had my granddaughter plant 50 of them.
1: And <laughs> oh, that, that was a joy <laughs> for you.
4: It was for me. I didn't have to do it. That's you know, right. That's
1: exactly. Now either she's going to be a gardener or say, forget about this. That or it's no telling
2: what it actually cost him to well, get this planted. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so true.
4: It lightened my bill hole up a little bit. Yeah, I
1: figured. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so worth it just to watch the cuteness, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> right. So. Fantastic. Well, thanks, Jerry. Thanks for the call. You're welcome. And, um, yeah, two azaleas, because there are azaleas that can bloom so many different seasons now cause with the encores. And I think they came out or started being really er- introduced in the early 2000s. And they had that uh, truck that said, let me see your bloomers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And that was a really good marketing strategy. But it was a good one to get your attention because the encores would bloom in spring and in fall or in summer and then fall. Right. But summer's not so many blooms. It seems like to me the fall's the most powerful on the oh, encores. Yeah. Yeah. And,
2: and it will take you probably two full growing seasons for them to understand where they're planted. Okay? That, that makes sense. To get them yeah. to cycle in to where you get the best flowers out mm-hmm. of them. But you do need to give them a good bit of sun. I, I can show you some they are in full sun. Now, because they're in full sun, some of them are more susceptible to lace bugs. Uh, so you do have to watch that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, they'll, they'll tolerate all day sun if that's where you want to put them. Yeah. bloom their little hearts out.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. So that gives you an azalea that you can use in the sun. And um, with the lace bugs, also, if you've got really good drained soil, you maybe need to bump the water up some. Yes. Because sometimes you're giving the same water to an azalea that a holly gets, and the holly needs almost half of what a, an azalea gets. And then always fertilizer, you know, my things, earthworm castings or a good mixture that will help them stay, you know, strong and more resistant to lace bug. But no matter what you do, being in that full sun environment, they they survive it. But sometimes you'll get a little bit here or there. Maybe you could do a systemic in the spring, mm-hmm. you know, and that would help cut it back too, right. cut back the um, spider Yeah, lights. one application
2: of something like a metacloprid in the spring, mm-hmm. and you're not likely to have any lace bugs.
1: Yeah, so, so. there. And, so there. <laughs> <laughs> and there are great things you can spray too on the lace bugs, but normally I just try to fertilize, increase the water some, but I have sprayed neem. And had pretty good results, but you got to spray it pretty good. And like Jim says, you need to walk around with that pump-up sprayer and shake it.
2: Yeah, and you need to, you know, neem works really best at killing insects when it actually gets on them. Right. So things like um, lace bugs, white flies are a little more difficult to control with neem just because they fly away. Right. So I'm trying
1: to, I'm actually trying to take that, the oil of the neem and and get them when they're flying away. I'm trying to spray them and make them heavy and fall.
2: Because they... They have a piercing mouth part. They penetrate just a very tiny little amount of tissue. So if mm-hmm. you've sprayed them with a traditional insecticide, um, they may not get enough to kill them. Mm-hmm. So that's why systemics work so well. It's inside the plant, and then when they suck on the plant juices, they die. Yeah. So And you have to rethink, you know, with whiteflies, and particularly this year they seem to be really bad. Um you're protecting the plant, not so much mm-hmm. killing the insect. Because if you kill them all right now, every one of them in your yard's dead. In 20 minutes, they're back. Right. You got some coming from your neighbors. Yeah. So you want to think about protect the plant, and then you don't worry if you see a few of them. Your plant's
1: okay. Yeah. Because you know insects are are really designed to uh, eradicate things that are under stress or not in a, a good place. So, they're, you know, imagine if there was no insects to devour things that are stressed out. We'd, we'd just have a bunch of half-eaten shrubs. You'd have no
2: birds. You'd have nothing without these. This the is
1: true. No birds, no lace bug. <laughs> but, you know, lace bug can travel on wind, too, like oh. a long way. Yes. So it could come from your neighbors. And if your azaleas are, are just a little bit having some issues – then they're going to land right there because they're going to you can they can smell the death of the shrub, basically. So they're attracted to that because um, sometimes shrubs take a long time to die, like they're missing their minerals or their microorganisms. And so they're they're stressed already because they're missing some things. And then to continue on, if that's not corrected, then other things, you know, kind of like a person, other things start happening as well.
2: Particularly at my age. (laughs) All kinds of things going on. Yeah. So none of them good. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, you just need some compost. Drink some of that compost tea. Yeah. Thank you very much. Okay.
2: We're going to take a quick break here. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Mid South Gardening.
0: You're listening to Mid South Gardening.
1: Good morning and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. If you have gardening questions, give us a call, 844-747-8868. We have a caller this morning, Donna McClure. Does she need to put anything on potted plants before she brings them in for the winter? She has a palm, queen of the night, and an aloe vera.
2: Okay. um, Well, first of all, soil insects would be my biggest concern, and particularly fungus gnats because they're likely to be in there. Uh, so if you'll put imidacloprid a, a granules on, the gra- on your soil, water them in, um, that will stop that. They're labeled for control of the maggot, the larva form of fungus gnats. So if you're not seeing any insects on there, then you know, there's really not a need to spray. But if you want to spray with an, an all-season oil, uh, or even neem oil before you bring it in on everything except your queen of the night. Well, mm-hmm. actually, the aloe I probably wouldn't spray either. Uh, I wouldn't put an oil on those, but on your palm, it would be great, you know, and it would control any spider mites, it would control, uh, scale, anything like that on there. But if you're not seeing any signs of that, you know, just kind of, It's not really necessary.
1: I always like to put the worm castings on it just a little bit before I bring it in. They're probably not going to really be absorbing the worm castings now, but it is uh, still there to regenerate the soil. And when they're actively growing, they can go ahead and pull the nutrients up. Maybe don't use the – somebody came in and said they use the fertilizer stakes in their plants. And I'm thinking, are those even around, those little yeah, job fertilizers? Yeah, I still
2: see them. You know, the downside of those is, I mean, your fertilizer is only one place. Right, um, yeah. And it is strong enough actually to burn the immediate roots right there around it. Now, it's not going to have an adverse effect on the plant. But as a f- fertilizer it is – leached out from water it goes down and not sideways okay so it's really not the best or most economical way to fertilize your plants
1: yeah you're not getting as much as you think yeah that's true
2: but it isn't the best way
1: right because you're not getting as much fertilizer out of that as you think you are so when you're fertilizing with your liquid Don't only just pour it in that little spot. Just pour pour it around around. your whole container, right? And then, again, doing the um, nice, good, nutritious soil around is a little bit of uh, cover. That's going to help a lot. If you're
2: using Osmocote or one of those types, same way, mm -hmm. sprinkle it all around the plant. Now, if you buy a nursery stock, a lot of times you'll find where they've dug a hole and dropped it down in there. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's not going to burn the roots because it's so slow reacting. Uh, but that's an easy, convenient way for them to do it. Yeah. But for the health of the plant, for once you get it home, the best way is just to sprinkle it around. And then as you water it, bacteria and water breaks that down and releases little micro doses of fertilizer mm-hmm. over a long period of time, three to four months or eight to nine months, or there's even one that's up to two years. Uh, I use little Agroform tablets uh, in my water gardens, so mm-hmm. occasionally I'll take those and smash them up and just sprinkle them on top of the pots, um, and and it does it feeds for about two years. So that's, that's just a little bit of fertilizer, just enough to keep them healthy. And um,
1: the Agroform has some uh, natural stuff in it. it.
2: Well, it's also got the micronutrients. in That's it. right. Yeah. yeah, and
1: that's one of the important, very important things. And your your plants and all do, do have to have soil that's alive to be able to help process any type of fertilizer, whether it's organic or mm-hmm. synthetic. So you do need your soil alive. And, and, like, if you've got straight peat moss, then that's not a live soil. You know, it doesn't have the whole soil web in it.
2: You need to get microbes in there. Yeah. And so many of your good quality products now, like Veda sells the— uh, the uh, Big Bloom and those type products have a uh, world of microbes in there ready to to work in your soil. It's real critical on houseplants um, Mm -hmm. that you do that because everything you're watering, everything's going right out the bottom. Right, (laughs) right.
1: And if you see indentions in the soil where you're watering, it's kind of compacting that. So maybe loosen it up. You could add some good compost to it and start watering around it instead of one little thing. But you said that the insects and plants, you would be more concerned over the ones in the soil. Mm-hmm. Well, let me tell you, you're totally right. <laughs> let me tell you. Okay. Mark this day down on the calendar. I said you're totally right. <laughs> I've experienced <laughs> this issue. For instance, I uh, had two pots of Schefflera by the front door under the lights. Mm-hmm. So what are what attracted? June bugs. So they laid their eggs in the soil. So we brought all our containers of, of flowers and, and houseplants inside, went to uh, that time we were in Texas, went to Tennessee and for Christmas came back and there was all these squiggly things in my rug. And I'm like, what made all those squiggly paths in my rug? This is so bizarre. And I started looking and looking and the June bugs hatched out of the pots, and they were all in my rug, all everywhere. Oh, freaky. <laughs> it was freaky. So maybe if I had to put something in the soil, that wouldn't happen. And I probably just freaked half the people out, and they're just now, not even getting it. where
2: else would you get information like that except on this program? That's right.
1: <laughs> it was truly interesting. How, how to
2: kill June bugs in your carpet.
1: Because I went to science fiction immediately, <laughs> you know immediately science fiction and then when i got out of that and started investigating june bugs um so anyway maybe treat your soil a little bit stir it around even stir it around and leave it out a little bit and and uh birds might get some of it yeah the,
2: and, and metacloprid is extremely safe for mammals so you don't have to worry mm-hmm. about your pets yeah um people kids things like that putting it in the soil uh it's it's really considered non-toxic to mammals uh, so it's it's a great product to do that with and it comes in a liquid or a granule but i like to use granule to sprinkle mm-hmm. it on top and sometimes i'll put for decoration just a little bark on top of the
3: plants right know, of course oh
1: you know praying mantises are out and big and they beautiful are. so when you're pruning be careful i was right in the middle of a clip and there was a four-inch praying mantis that just looked like the daylily bloom. Mm-hmm. And I almost got that thing. That would have been horrible. All right. Well, we're fixing to head out for a break. So we are going to tell you, give us a call at 844
2: <laughs> Or you can call locally at 901 This is KWAM. It's
3: up. Gardening. Bye.
1: But um, back to the uh, psych. (laughs) (laughs) I got all nervous. Uh, Yeah. So, anywho, I would say the moral of this story is check your soil before you take them in or you come back and there's going to be science fiction happening in your house. So, we're going to head out and we'll see you in a minute.
0: the garden help you need now mid-south gardening powered by palladio home and garden with your hosts vada vance kenneth mabry and jim crowder
1: good morning good morning welcome to mid-south gardening i'm Beta with palladio
0: and i'm jim crowder short
2: fat half If you're going by weight of this three-person group. Oh,
1: this must be your brain. (laughs) (laughs) And Kenneth, who is out on vacation right now, and will be back next weekend. So, let's see. You know, did you have a topic or something you were going to say? Well,
2: we're going to continue. We're going to talk more about fall bulbs, uh, particularly. Um, But also, you had mentioned something about native plants.
1: Yeah, a lot of people request to carry natives but really not sure what or know truly what a native plant is. Mm -hmm. And garden centers have always had a hard time selling natives because people are wanting to make their front look, you know, just like everybody else's yard. Or when they're working natives in the backyard, they're either really big or they just don't fit your whole theme. But, I mean, it's still good to, to pick some out and put around but like I was telling Jim, we like to attract the caterpillars for the swallowtail. Swallowtails are around here all the time. But the whole theory is on, on natives is if you have natives, then you're feeding the insects that are actually here in our native area. But parsley is not native. But we planted everywhere to get the swallowtails. So sometimes you've got to broaden your idea of a native. Yeah,
2: technically a native is any plant that was here before the Europeans came to this country. (laughs) Yeah, and that's a while. Right, back, you know, 500, 600 years (laughs) ago. Wasn't that
1: just corn?
2: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Uh, But, you know, some natives are not something that you want in your garden. Uh, They can be very aggressive. Um, Oh, yeah. How many of you want to plant Poison Ivy?
1: Right. As has big, beautiful it's foliage.
2: Great, colorful foliage and fall pretty red berries. You great know, ground but cover. Most people don't really want that.
1: That's so, native. um
2: Yeah. In planting
1: native vine. <laughs> in
2: planting non-natives, okay, there are lots of our native insects that will feed on those. There's nothing yeah. wrong with planting a tropical um uh, uh, blood bloodflower sclepius sclepius oh uh, the butterfly you know, weed butterfly weed yeah. because uh, they'll feed on that you know they just it won't winter here but there's yeah. nothing wrong with planting that
1: yeah because it's so beneficial to the butterflies anyway and it's something fun to watch especially when they set their pods and mm-hmm. then this pod's open and there's a pretty little fluffy seed that mm-hmm. that blows through the wind it's just it's a good thing if you have kids or grandkids to plant that just for the um excitement the whole year it's got something different going on mm-hmm.
2: so you know uh, some people want to be 100% native and that's fine if that's what you want but you know but you know, but, cause you know when people it. drive down the road here and they see stuff growing in the ditch so that's a lot of native stuff you know mm-hmm. there's some non natives in there too but that's a lot of native stuff and there's not at least here around Memphis, there's nothing that really wows you when you go down, you know. So people want things that give them that wow, you know. Yes, and I, a lot of that's tropical. A lot of yeah. that's non-native, you know.
3: Um, and we and, know
1: insects eat those, right? <laughs> yeah, I know someone that had a native front yard, and the city kept telling her to go by and mow. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and. Like the natives to us, are like what you said in the ditches and the and the pastures, and they bloom. A lot of them bloom pretty, but it was impossible to keep a native under control and looking good. You know, because under this, that definition yeah, of under good,
2: that, you know, yeah. the homeowners association definition of good, <laughs> right?
1: It was not good. But this literally did look like a pasture out in the front yard, mm-hmm. but. If somebody that knows about it sees the beauty in it, but mm-hmm. most people aren't. But we're not saying don't plant natives, but just learn a little more into what really is a native, because mm-hmm. I think um, things that like a Phothigaria, the button bush, Does um, that have that's the buttons. Cephalus. No, that yeah, yeah, the Phothigaria. Mm-hmm. Did I say that right? I'm sure I didn't. Yeah,
2: I always call it Father Oh
1: yeah, there's there is an L in there, <laughs> but I. It's the button bush, the other one you said. That one's native. Yes, absolutely. But Cephalanthus, the... yeah. yeah. And
2: there's some nice cultivars of that. I've got one called Sugar Shack, which is a dwarf version. Aww. Oh, it's beautiful, you know. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that'd be worth it. talk about a butterfly magnet, it yeah. is.
1: That would so be worth it because it's small.
2: Yeah, and I've got the standard one. I have a place mm-hmm. in the back corner of my yard where water collects from what the neighbors did to their yard. Um, so to help dry that out, yeah. I planted one in there cause it will really, it will grow in four feet of water. Mm-hmm. It is that tolerant of water, which most plants aren't. Yeah. Uh, so it's good, has a very massive fibrous root system that helps dry that soil
1: out. Yeah. Because I see them planted by lakes yeah. or ponds growing right on that, uh, edge of the, um, soil mm-hmm. and the water and i keep
2: mine cut off on the backside because I they, see they, yeah. yeah neighbors don't like it in cringing on their airspace mm-hmm. so uh I keep it trimmed off as best as i can yeah
1: let's see what else is a, a native you know there's like creeping up i know a native that everybody sprays weed killer on the violets oh. the wood violets Vi- those violets. are just as yeah. native as beautiful. And,
2: and so many different colors.
1: That's amazing you too. Know? Yeah.
2: We lived in a house when Carol and I first got married over on Jackson Avenue that was built around just after the turn of the century. That's the from 1800 to 1900. Uh, and it was uh, uh, it had at least a dozen different variations of those violets as far as solid purple, some yeah. striped some mm. had tinges of yellow in them, a oh, pink beautiful. one. Beautiful. You know, and I'm sure they weren't deliberately planted. They were mm-hmm. just, when all that area was just pasture, it was, yeah. you know, they were in there.
1: That's amazing, all the different colors in nature. And now we're just seeing the blues, the purples. Yeah,
2: I've got two I know of in my yard, mm-hmm. uh, a blue, and then I've got one that's got some white in it. Uh, and I leave one every now yeah. and then. I don't take them all right. out. Yeah. I leave them in the flower beds because I do like that little extra color. Mm-hmm. And it is an, an early season uh, pollinator, I mean, I mean flowering plant. So you've got something for your pollinators to feed on early in the season. Like we used to have clover all in our yards. You yeah. Know, until we decided we didn't want it there.
1: Right. You know, the clover thing, that can get me going. What? But I've seen now wood violets that are two i mean what is that six inches eight inches tall and their foliage is really big yeah and they mm-hmm. they uh don't spread yeah they they just clump but i've never seen it in bloom i think i'm already, always at that garden the wrong time mm-hmm. but that's something i think we got it at the botanic gardens you may have
2: i grew some varieties of wild violets when i was there yeah or cultivars of of them uh, also did at uh, Dan West previously. We mm-hmm. we always agree about one species because it's not something that sells itself unless it's in color. Right. You know, no bloom, look at no it, room. That's it. <laughs> you know, that's the philosophy of most box stores: no bloom, no room. Yeah, because
1: color sells. It does. Right. Right. You have to kind of um, explain or educate more when you have the perennials that aren't blooming. Yeah. But we get them in before they bloom so they can bloom in your yard. Mm -hmm. Like moms, you know, we get them in before they're blooming so they can bloom in your yard. And sometimes you can find things blooming, but they're on the downside of it. So I always say, get them before they're blooming. Let them bloom there instead of the garden center. Yeah,
2: but you know this time of year, as we go into fall, you can get some pretty good deals on perennials yeah. at some of the independent garden centers because they're about, the tops are about to die off, mm-hmm. and really all you're after is the roots. Yeah, you know?
1: yeah, yeah. Remember the planting like fifty pots with it didn't look there was no no right. foliage on the top, so right. it just looks like we're planting a, a bunch of uh, dirt in a pot. Right. But then they come up gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It's hard to envision. It's really hard to help someone have the faith that those $400 worth of uh, soil that you just planted is going to come up and be beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's like entire perennial garden. I would have to have some evergreen things spotted out through my perennial <laughs> garden. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Unless it was smaller, but like right now, the uh, Russian sage is blooming yeah. so pretty. Mm-hmm. Cone flowers are still blooming, uh, really The lavender's still blooming. Yeah. Oh, oh and, I finally uh, have the phenomenal lavender. Mm-hmm.
2: And and dahlias are coming in big time right now. Gosh, they're so
3: pretty.
1: Yeah. You know yeah. I love the dahlias that here in memphis you know they're just beautiful and the little ones bloom and and you kind of got to work on them some to make them bloom but i thought you know we're really succeeding with the dahlias then i went to california (laughs) and there's a pasture of dahlias every color every size bloom every texture so i come back to memphis and i look at my poor little dahlias now and i'm like well you know we're trying
2: See, that's a firm belief of mine. The West Coast was for plants, not for people.
1: <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's so true. Oh, I just would have loved I just want to see that dahlia bed again. But well, we're going to run to a break. So, yeah, get the break. A call. We'll take
2: your questions. Yeah, please call us uh, nationwide, 844 747 8868. Locally, 901 5926. This is Mid South Gardening.
0: Colin, talk with Jim, Veda, and Ken now. 844 747 8868. This is Mid South Gardening. <laughs>
1: Good morning and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Give us a call, 844-747-8868. A little bit more about native plants. I was just envisioning a yard that I'd worked in a long time ago, Um, Martine, a lot of y'all probably know her. Martine Madlinger, yeah. Yeah, and so she gave me tours of, of her garden with all the natives, but. She also said, oh, my word, I'm so tired. They're just seeding everywhere. They're growing everywhere, like the Baptisia. Yeah. She had that everywhere. It's gorgeous foliage. It blooms so but she pretty. also
2: had uh, five-leaf akebia there, too, though, because it had, it, we talked about it a number of times, how mm-hmm. it uh, overtook oh, yeah. her area.
1: Yes, Oh my word! We had another house that we worked on in the five-leaf akibia. Just every time it's growing up in the Japanese maples yeah. and, and I'll all. I call that. it
2: affectionately little-leaf kudzu.
1: Yeah, is that could, one native? Huh? Not the kudzu. We know that yeah, one's native. No. I didn't think that. akibia. I
2: don't, I don't believe akibia is, but no. I have to check
1: that. And uh, comb flowers are native because sometimes we consider natives things that. Didn't start here, but they acclimated really well. Yeah,
2: well, we have a native, the Tennessee coneflower, Echinacea tennesseensis, oh, is a native. okay,
1: yeah. And then when you're getting the hybrids off of the natives yeah, and all Rocky Top
2: is a selection of, uh, rocky uh, top. of uh, <laughs> that particular echinacea.
1: Oh, Rocky Top. Okay, let's see. The Coreopsis. There's a number of different ones off of that. This is the, the bigger foliage Coryopsis. I know daylilies because, you know, people call them ditch lilies. Yeah. Yeah, and I've, at first, um, when I was early on in the garden center, I was trying to sell Daylilies and the lady says, "I don't want any ditch lilies." <laughs> and I thought this is some of the most beautiful things that I saw in uh, the country was the ditch lilies. But now we're all the way up to ever our blooming daylilies in the summer, where they constantly rebloom. I wouldn't say constantly, but they do rebloom in the summer. Mm-hmm. A sassafras tree. Oh,
2: I have a seedling that's come up in my yard. I'm so excited.
1: Oh wow, a seedling. Yeah. Mm. Yeah,
2: I don't know where it came from, but it popped up, and I'm just uh, so happy that it's there.
1: It's such, it's so neat foliage. Mm -hmm. It's really a neat thing. And um, what about, oh, let's see, the Little Henry Itea. So, yeah, Itea Virginia, Little Henry. So, here we go. There's one, didn't they hybridize a smaller one that doesn't? spread
2: well little henry is the one that is smaller okay. but it still spreads i had one oh. in my yard and i finally had to take it out yeah it just because it spreads so much it doesn't lend itself to smaller gardens right. like mine is
1: No, oh, and it's and it's really cro- colorful plan in the fall you're need need blooms but you know here's the thing we did have a yard that had all these things i'm listing And we had to come back constantly just to keep the natives in control. Right. So it didn't take off the whole thing. But, you know, like a Southern Magnolia, um, Serviceberry, Serviceberry native. Yep. Uh, Oh, the Sumac. Oh, yeah. But there's all those new ones like Black Lace. And that one that's chartreuse that I couldn't get any of them this year, mm. but I, that's a native that I would go with just because it's a fun foliage texture. Now it did not grow like as aggressive as our regular sumac. No,
2: not like the one the staghorn that you see along. With, yeah, you know. But I, I've, I've always enjoyed the staghorn because mm-hmm. that was the first thing to turn red along the ditches. You know, yeah. right at the edge of the woodlands, and mm-hmm. that was the that was the sign that fall is yeah. here. I, mean, yeah. I haven't
1: went down a road with a lot of country lately. I haven't noticed if that's happening. Plus, the uh, seed heads on them, the big pods, are really beautiful and mm-hmm. great to use in floral design, floral displays. So you can go with that. And then um, the nine bark. Is that one, Nave? I hear some people say it is. Uh, it is so- uh,
2: yeah, it's considered native. and. In- You know, I I have to agree with something that Michael Durr said in his book. Mm -hmm. He uh, went to um, a university here in Tennessee, or no, it was in Wisconsin, I believe it was, where they had literally a hundred or so Mm -hmm. varieties of nine bark. Amazing. And he said, after looking at them all, I about decided that anything is better than a nine bark. He didn't like them. (laughs) Sounds uh, like it. And and I don't like them here in the South. They Mm -hmm. just don't perform in our heat. Right. like they do in the north, but mm-hmm. even there, you know.
3: they
1: so-so. I've yeah. seen a couple of There are some barks. pretty leaf yeah. variations. Yeah. I saw a couple mixed in with the um, ducia. Mm-hmm. It was in the, with Duzia and the mock orange. These are awesome-looking plants, but I saw some in there, and if I was going to plant a couple of nine barks, I would have to use something that had... Different texture and different color yeah. to make the non-bark show up more. So it still looks pretty good. It's just the, not looking like it does in its the, best area.
2: If any of you have been to Memphis or in this area, you're familiar with the Sears Crosstown Building, which is a huge monument that used to be a Sears oh, distribution yeah. center uh, that's been turned into apartments and compla and businesses and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. It's really quite needed. But they planted the whole thing in native originally. Saw that. Ooh. And it was, um, you know, on the north side of the garage in the shade that never gets sun, they Mm -hmm. planted grasses. Saw it, And they just didn't look good. So I noticed here lately they have removed those and they've replaced them with uh, viburnum Chindo. Oh, good. So, they much better plant, uh-huh. you know. Isn't that so. going
1: to get so... Oh, it's in that... It's in the garage. Right. It can get yeah. as
2: big as it wants right there. Yeah. Uh, so, but it's on the north side, and it's just happy mm-hmm. as it can be.
1: Yeah, so it was too shaded for ornamental grasses. Right. Because they're great And to they use. had... They planted
2: beautiful ornamental grasses, but in front of all the restaurants. So, they're on the old loading dock, so you yeah. couldn't see the restaurants. So, right. they keep it cut down to stubs all Ugh. the time. So... Natives are great, but you got to use them properly. Mm -hmm. You know, they picked the wrong ones when they planted this. Yeah. Um, So,
1: right. If you plant a a holly in the wrong place, you can kind of prune it up and it still works and looks nice, but you just can't prune up. Right. And ornamental
2: grasses, particularly if it gets shaded, just fall apart. They just open up and look terrible. Oh, my
1: goodness. And I'm loving the ornamental grasses right now. All the different types of seeds. Yeah. The pink
2: muley, I think, I I saw down at uh, a. winery in Georgia they just had a hill of it that was spectacular
1: fantastic oh my goodness we'll be right back Good morning and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. If you have gardening questions, give us a call, 844-747-8868.
2: And we've been talking a little bit this morning about natives and our uh, likes and dislikes of of totally native gardens and so forth. It's just because we've seen, as Veda said, uh, off the air, you know, they're just hard to sell. Mm-hmm. You know, and unfortunately, in the nursery business, you can't wait on every single individual that comes into the store. It's just not feasibly possible, yeah. particularly during the busy season. They so, have a shelf life. Right. Any and, plant. and plants need to almost sell themselves in the container. That's the reason the box stores have this no bloom, no room rule, is they want something that they don't have to talk about, that the picture tag can explain. And uh, so many plants that are wonderful plants don't lend themselves to containers well. They just don't look good. And viburnums is one. You know, we've talked about that before. They're just not attractive in a container. But when they're in bloom, you can sell the bejesus out of them. So, right. you know, it's it's difficult. It's hard to sell some of these plants that don't sell themselves. So, yeah, because
1: I have viburnum in stock, and it's going to bloom so beautifully white yeah, in Yeah, she spring. loves this snow
2: joy. Yeah, and it's got
1: about. red berries on it now. It's starting, but they've been in containers, and half have red berries, and the other half don't. And I'm thinking that the way they were sitting, the irrigation wasn't getting them as much as the ones with the berries. And... uh but again because it's just a green plant mm-hmm. growing there that doesn't have like a round form or a cone form nobody's interested right. in it but if you're
2: seriously into just doing natives then we tell you we have an excellent i have a next excellent native plant list that's on our our Facebook group Self gardening uh, if you haven't joined please do so we uh, we got about 7000 people on there now who uh, who put information on there put pictures and questions and you know it's uh, it's great we got a lot of really smart people and good gardeners on there and a lot of people who just want to learn yeah uh, but we have a uh, in the files list we have lots and lots of things different varieties of fruits and so forth that perform well in the mid-south and we also have an extensive native list. And what I did when I put that together, I looked at what Arkansas, Mississippi, and Tennessee used for their approved list for native plants along highways and that sort of thing. So some of it's mm-hmm. got things that, that we would consider weeds in the garden, but they're technically native. So it's a, you want to take this list and do your research, okay? I don't do the research for you. I want you to do it. Okay. I'll tell you a little bit about it. Give you a name of things to look at, but that's going to be your job. And don't just look at one and think, "Oh, well, this is a good plant." Look, you know, look them up in several different places to make sure you get a consensus of information. Because despite what you think, everything on the internet's not true. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had someone quit following some Facebook pages because he just could not handle. These questions or these answers that were just way off the, the scope of things. Mm-hmm. It was in a water garden thing. And um, so he's joined yours because, you know, it's monitored and, and you're really sure that you're getting some proper information from it. But speaking of natives, the goldenrod. Oh, yeah. The, oh, my goodness. You know, so much bad information about yeah, that one. Yeah, there is. It's incredible because it's the ragweed that we're allergic to. Right. So Because the goldenrod has this sticky pollen on it so it can actually stick to the bees right. and a lot of pollen, but which means the pollen does not far fall far. Yeah, it's
2: not from, airborne. It's yeah. not what's giving you the sneezes. It's the ragweed right. that's in bloom at the same time.
1: And the ragweed seed can blow up to 400 miles they found it on an ocean carrier. Whoa. I know. I'm like, okay, I actually went through that all in my head. Okay, it's blowing, blowing. Landed on the ocean carrier. But how did they know it didn't come off? This, you know, so, but, you know, research. The, um, so anyway, the um, goldenrod is such, it's a late bloomer, which gives the bees and other insects food to migrate, mm-hmm. actually. And... um. Also, like a single ragweed can produce so many, many weeds. So that's what you're allergic to, the the ragweed blowing in the wind. Yeah. And so a lot of people quit planting the comb flower because they thought we were allergic, which then really cut back. I mean, you could call that a, a problem with keeping the bees pollinated and healthy and alive.
2: Yeah. There is a uh, a wildlife area not far from my house. It's a park. It's, uh, I don't know if, I've forgotten how many acres it is. Um, got like 13 miles of trails on it. It's mm-hmm. a great place to go and walk. And I used to do that quite frequently. Um, but in the what appears to be the darkest area in the canopy, there is a forest of large-leaf ragweed. Ooh. It's taller than yeah. I am. And, I mean, if it weren't for the path, you'd have to fight your oh, way through run it. run through that. I know. It's just it's amazing that it grows in that much shade But yeah, you know so that's a native.
1: Yeah, ragweed's a native. native. (laughs) And one thing that was interesting is how a lot of our plants, as the season progresses, our light becomes less. So the some of our plants just you can tell, like especially annuals and all that, you can tell they start declining. One reason you know was because of less light but the thing that stimulates the golden rod to bloom is the light change
2: right yeah. the length of the night particularly is instrumental in a lot of things blooming mums particularly yeah. if you take by values- you Two mums, okay, plant them in ground, enjoy them this year. But plant one on the front side of your house and one on the back side of your house. They will not bloom at the same time next year yeah. because of the way you've got them positioned. So it's um, it's really kind of interesting. I've had them bloom as early as June, mm, you know, yeah. by planting them where they get uh, a lot of late afternoon shade. Uh, so it makes them think the night's longer. Oh, That's uh, what kicks them into bloom.
1: Or you can put them under, they can be... Haven't bloomed yet, but you can put them under light 24 hours Oh yeah, because, well, you get light in the day and then you've got your porch lights on at night. That disrupts the blooms. Oh, yeah.
2: A lot of plants won't tolerate that either. You've got things like dwarf Alberta spruces I have seen go backwards from being near a gas light during the night where it's planted by the front door. And that side of it will eventually shed off. Yeah. Uh, it can't cool down. No, well, and they ne- they have to have that period of darkness, in oh, which right. for them is quite long, mm-hmm. you know, in the wintertime. So, you know, it's... Um,
1: well, here's the thing with the dwarf Alberta spruce.
2: <laughs> <laughs> First, beware of buying anything that has the word Colorado, yeah. Alaskan... Canadian anything yeah. anything refers to mountains winter yeah
1: except <laughs> for, here in Memphis except for the camellias don't they have the ones that are hardy for the winter that they hybridize oh they yeah have the, yeah
2: the winter star hybrids yeah. yeah Now, those are that's it camellias are southern plants you know yeah. we've had those in the south for years
1: <laughs> oh like southern camellias we were trying to order some uh, fire pits and from this uh, man in the north. And he was just, just calling, Are you ready? Are you ready? And I'm like, finally I said, Look, we're in the south and we do everything slow here. That's so right. just hang on a minute. We <laughs> think slower,
2: we talk slower, you know.
3: That's it's, all right.
1: That's all right. And oh, you know what else? That's native? Now listen. See if I can say it. Human humanure. Humanure. Human manure. What is
2: that you're saying?
1: It's, I can't believe this. It's human manure, and they're calling it human manure. And um, I know it's for sale in even small bags. Now, we know millorganites like that. I, I was going to research. But it's cooked three or four times yeah. in the process. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I, I haven't got to, um, I, that just caught my eye. And I thought, no, I'm not putting that on my shelf. I'm, it's just. Yeah. That's yep. what it was called. That's no,
2: no, getting a little too native.
1: <laughs> yeah, because I mean, the mill organite's like that. But like you said, it's fired really hot. It gets yeah. bakes all the minerals out it and goes all of through that.
2: Several cooking processes to make it the way that it is. It's you know very safe for your your garden, your vegetable garden. Whatever. Wouldn't
1: you call yeah. that like a really slow release? Yeah, extremely slow yeah. release. So yeah. it's uh, it's really good. Somebody texted in and said her golden rod's blooming, and it's beautiful. Yes. And they I'm, are
2: spectacular right now.
1: Yeah. Well, I remember trying to sell it in the garden center, and mm. everybody was like, no, why would you sneeze, sneeze something? Sell something you're allergic to. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And there's some really cool dwarf ones that only get like 18 inches tall. So, I mean, you That works. Yeah. You don't have to have one. There's a there's a golden rod for any garden, really. Yeah. And there's some that get really big. So yeah. just whatever That's you need.
1: That's a fall bloomer, Joe Pyweed. Is there Weed. some dwarfs of that now? Well,
2: y- yeah, but even Relative. they're five or six feet tall. Yeah, 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 that's a dwarf.
1: So these are your blooming things that you can use. I mean, have it in the back corner yeah, of your I yard. Yeah, I got camellias
2: coming into bloom right now. Oh, so that's right. It's time. In. It's
1: time. It's time. I'm hoping my camellias get here soon. I had a hard time finding them. Yeah, well, actually, it's it's
2: tough. It's been tough on nurserymen to find stuff because we've had two extremely good years. Mm-hmm. Well, with people staying home, they've decided to fix up their yards yeah. and started vegetable gardening. Uh and doing things that they just never thought they had time to do in the past and they find it out. They like it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now some people said that everybody was gonna start with houseplants and then they were gonna say forget about it, you know, after this all stops and or slows down. But no, everybody that comes in says, I'm addicted.
2: Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah. You know. I mean, I have all the plants that I could possibly need, you know, but every time mm-hmm. I go into Kroger and they have these little displays of little tiny succulents and stuff, I yeah. have to look at them. Right. Yeah. And they even bought look. one last week.
1: Huh? <laughs> oh, you did, huh? Well, I've been,
2: I had been wanting a fishbone cactus and they had one and I oh, well, you just oh, cool.
1: Well, that's so. another thing. Sometimes independents have a hard time getting stuff at the box stores because they soak it all up.
2: Yes, that's absolutely true.
1: It's just it's just bizarre how the whole industry switched around yeah. from you know you just go to independent to get what you need. Uh, that's just where you go to garden. And yeah, now if you, you want advice, though, that's where you want to go. Yeah, that's absolutely because you know maybe you don't need so much advice on a cactus. Yeah. But, yeah, but I you know
2: we used to have customers come in and we'd talk to them, tell them what to use, and they take a picture of it so they could go find I it somewhere know. else.
1: Oh, can I just buy that at. Yeah. <laughs> no, how about here because you're yeah. here. Can
2: I get that at Walmart? <laughs> mm-hmm. But, you I know, don't know,
1: if you're a gardener, you can find some good stuff because you can discern yeah. between what, what works and not. But anyway, we all like to garden, so wherever mm-hmm. you can get it.
2: Well, we're going to take a break. We're going to be back here in just a second, Mid South Gardening. Give us a call, 844 747
0: 8868. This is Mid South Gardening.
1: Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. You have gardening questions. Give us a call. Toll free 844-747-8868. And we have Ellie who's giving us a call. Thank you, Ellie. Good morning.
5: Good morning. Um, I live over in Arkansas, and I heard you all talking about um, viburnum just before. Mm -hmm. And I bought a snowball viburnum. It's been in the ground. This is going to be the third year it's in, and it's doing really well. But I've only had berries on it. So I'm wondering, did I get something that was mislabeled? or Or yes. I did. Yes. Okay. Yes.
2: <laughs> oh. Yeah, the True Snowball doesn't produce many, if any, berries. Um, because say- it's actually, the True Snowball is, is *Viburnum opulus* Sterile which means it doesn't produce any berries.
1: Right. So you probably have a viburnum because a lot of them are burying now, just maybe not the snowball. Yeah. Oh, I know. To,
5: I need to come to the garden center and order one, I guess.
2: Well, <laughs> you, you should be able to find them at a lot of garden centers even now. Um, you know, most of them, that's a a fairly stock mm-hmm. item, um, but yeah, they're ordering stuff all the time, so it's not yeah. any problem to get one. And usually. if you
1: don't find them now, which I know is a good time to plant, they a lot of people have them in the spring because they're closer to their bloom time. Mm-hmm. But I would, check, I would check right now everywhere to see if I could find one because it's a good planting time.
2: Yeah, and it's a great, great plant to have. You know, I've got one that's been around, I don't know, 10 years or more, and I have almost all the time, have a flower on it. Now, it's spectacular in the spring. Mm-hmm. And right now, it's already loaded with buds. Um, but it uh, it will have a, a flower here and there just all through the season.
5: You're just making me jealous now I have to start all over. Yes, that's I my know. job. <laughs> <laughs> to make you buy more plants. <laughs> See, advertising works. <laughs> oh. And so um, what kind of soil do they like? Because the, the viburnum I have, it gets, a lot of water where it is right now. Is mm-hmm. the snowball going to react the same way, or do I have to worry about wet roots?
2: No, it should be fine. I would always in well, I don't know what how your soil how well it drains over there, but we tell everybody to plant them a little bit high. That way, if the ground is solid saturated for a week from a lot of rain, you've got some of the of it sticking up above the soil so that air can get to that root ball. Uh, that will keep it alive. You know, if it's totally buried at ground level, then it can, in theory, have saturated roots for a week or more, and some plants just won't tolerate that. So, if you'll just plant it a little bit high, make it look like it's on a little hill, bring your soil up to it, but not on top of it, you won't have any trouble with it at all. I, mine is planted in an area that it's slightly elevated, maybe three inches or so, but under it is a lot of water.
1: Yeah, so mix some good, rich compost in as well, but uh, the big thing is planting it a little bit higher.
5: Okay, thank you so much. That's helpful. I'll be planting a new viburnum. We get a snowball this time. Yes,
1: thank you, Thanks for the call this morning. You know, I saw some planted that grew, I think, three feet this year. Oh, yeah. I I was amazed at that. I had no idea they grew that fast. I've
2: had to cut mine back a couple of times just because it's just overpowering. Mm -hmm. I've got a, a, uh, a real pretty maple that's right beside of it, and it's growing up into the limbs of the maple.
1: Yeah, you got to prune it and change it. But because it has buds on it right now, do not prune it or you no. gonna prune all your flowers. Yeah, it's right. always really good just to prune after things flower right after or, you know, maybe a couple of weeks or a month after because like azaleas, if you you need to prune them, you know, soon after they bloom, because I think here the cutoff dates like the 4th of July. You shouldn't prune that's, azaleas that's back. It, yeah. eh, it's kind of in that that range. So, uh, and then hydrangeas, we always seem to pl- prune the blooms off of those. Yep. A lot of people do that, but there's two kinds of hydrangeas, like the um, paniculatas that you can just take to the ground. Yep. But the others, they bloom on know. first year wood, whereas
2: most most of our uh, macropholas, the big mop heads, bloom best on first year wood. I mean, on second-year wood, and then they will have some sparse flowers on first-year wood if you're lucky.
1: Yes, that, that's just a hard window when you're trying to prune to figure yeah. that out. Because first-year, okay, you prune it, and then it puts in growth, and then it blooms there. Okay, so the second-year growth means we prune it now, this one year, but don't prune it the next year, right? Well, and then it blooms off that...
2: Yeah, the wood that was produced this spring is, is producing flower buds. So next spring that's called second, old wood or second year wood. So that blooms. First year wood is when it sprouts and blooms you know, obviously in the same season.
1: That's why I had to go through that in my head because I knew there was something I'm missing It's hard there. to think about that. It know? is, it is. And then you know how I think things too hard through. Absolutely. Whoop, I got in a big circle with that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, quite
2: often she'll go over here and start really talking, which, you know, doesn't, she doesn't do that very often because Kenneth doesn't let her. But when right. she's really talking, and then I go, what in the world is she saying? I've just lost her. Just <laughs>
1: lost her. That's why uh, Kenneth and I couldn't work together at Dan West because we were both elbowing each other to try to get to the question. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun. Well, um,
2: um, we've got another hour here. If you're staying with us, we're going to uh, we are going to bring up how to uh, get that amaryllis last year to rebloom again.
1: Right, and so. other topics, especially if y'all call in, we'd love to hear your talk talk bits and questions. We will be right back.
0: the garden help you need now mid-south gardening powered by palladio home and garden with your hosts vada vance kenneth mabry and jim crowder
1: Gardening. If you have a gardening question, give us a call. Toll free 844 747 8868. I'm Beta with Palladio.
2: And I'm Jim Crowder, co host of this show. Retired nurseryman. Fat guy. Yeah. Grumpy.
1: Grumpy. There we go. That one I'll agree with. Not okay. so much anymore, yeah. Mr. Grumpy. Saying, you know, um,
2: heavily medicated. So.
1: so that works really well. Yeah. Must be off all the bulbs you ate. <laughs> it's yeah. so
2: been around all the pesticides you know I can remember ah. when I first got into this was working at some of the seed houses you know we would actually package seed and we'd lick the envelopes and all that yeah. you know with seed that was treated with aldrin and dieldrin and and all these things like that and and you know uh, when I, when I die they're not even going to have to embalm me anymore, <laughs> right. lay me down right.
1: <laughs> there's a lot of stuff going on uh, we were talking about Humanure a while ago. Oh, a Yeah. <laughs> and uh, there's books on it. And we were like, what in the world would you want to try to read a book about that? I mean, do they, you know, how you have to get the right manure with cows?
2: Well, somebody, yeah.
1: So uh, do we have to be grain-fed or, like you said, free-ranging free humans? Of humans. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's go back to the bulbs. do yeah. not you going to tell us about yeah.
2: <laughs> we do want to, We want to go over, what you, you know, how do you get that bulb, that, that amaryllis bulb that you got last Christmas to rebloom at Christmas again? Well, the first thing is you're too late. Okay, to get it to happen this year, but so you'll know in advance, this is what you'll need yeah. to do. Okay, um, you, once you know it blooms at Christmas, you put it outside when the frost passed, and you have a nice green, kind of ugly plant until uh, you want to start about the end of July or so. Just put take the plant, turn a pot over on its side to remind you not to water it. Put it somewhere where no rain can get to it, and let it dry off. Let the foliage just turn completely brown and crisp. Then cut that foliage off. Then just keep it stored someplace where it's cool until about the 1st of November. If it's a pink or a white, that's the time you want to plant it. Uh, If it's a red, you know, 10th to 15th or so should usually do it. Uh, They they tend to come a little quicker. So pot them back up and keep them a little bottom heat. will help speed them up if you need to. And uh, they should bloom again about Christmas for you. Now, most of the ones we have now are all hardy. You can plant them outside here in Zone 7 and probably a good bit further north. Um, So, you know, they'll bloom normally end of April, 1st of May, end of 1st of June, depending on the variety. Uh, So that's kind of normal for them. Right. So
1: when you get that for a Christmas gift, it's so much more than just the beauty right now. It keeps giving and giving. And how many bulbs have been thrown away just because we didn't think they would naturalize here or grow here. And we were talking about, you know, giving or like the white and the pinks bloom a little slower. Actually, when I get the amaryllis bulbs, because I'm not getting them blooming for Christmas, so I'm not going to get a red one. Uh, And they open it on Christmas. I mean, I guess it could be a red for Valentine's Day. But I always get them the white or the pink because January and February make me think of the lighter colors. Mm -hmm. Because they're going to bring lighter.
2: Yeah. There's more red sold. But there are some really unusual uh, varieties out there. If you go to some of the specialty houses Mm -hmm. that that do amaryllis, there's some green ones. Oh, uh, there's I some them. Doubles. There are some with pickety edges. Yeah. Uh there's really some quite unusual varieties if you want to get into amaryllis.
1: I might do the the white one though for Christmas. White Christmas. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. red and white. So I'll go but I'm gonna go for Christmas with the wax that's around the bulb. But has anybody tried, or what do you think if that would naturalize with all that wax around? Well, it? I
2: would take the wax off, you know, yeah, even when true. back when you were seeing so many waxed roses, I would always tell people to try to get yeah. the wax off, put it in somewhere, and let it get warm, and rub as much of it off as you yeah. can because it's made the wax is made to help keep the bulb from dehydrating and, mm-hmm. and the same with the rose canes because if they're on the shelf somewhere, uh, they can dry out. Um, so it's, it's it's good for the bulb and for the retailer, but it once you put it in the ground, it's best to get that off because the plant needs to breathe through that mm-hmm. and
1: it yeah, can't, it can't, yeah, so. yeah. All that did not seem like that would be a good thing, but then I realized this is just a four, small amount of time,
2: yeah. And you can peel yeah. it off just like an onion, yeah, you know, cut into it and peel off a layer and plant you're it.
1: good to go, yeah. And, um, you know, it says something about the um, ugly foliage on the amaryllis. Well, well I it mean, tends we to, just It's
2: say, long. and tends yeah, to flop over. Right. You know. Well, the
1: thing that made me go to a um, house plant. Oh, Someone take, took a picture of a container done with house plants. And she just loved, loved, loved it. It was one of the best things ever. And. This makes me think about how a plant person sees how a plant's supposed to look, but people that aren't so much plant people, they see it in a different beauty. And so the reason why I was saying that is bromeliads, they bloom, really, they have their bloom a long time.
2: But... Only once.
1: Yes. So after it bloomed, she still kept the foliage in there because she liked the architectural look of the foliage. Mm-hmm. Because me, I would have said, oh, it's not blooming. Yank it out and put something else in. And I was looking at it and I go, she's right. That's it beautiful will, foliage.
2: I have seen them last more than six months mm-hmm. and still look fine. You know, if it's one of the ones yeah. that has the spike flower, yeah. you cut it out, they'll they'll stay giving the appearance of being alive because they technically are alive but they once they the mother plant blooms it dies off and you Mm -hmm. get pups usually off the base of it yeah Um, that's what
1: i was gonna ask um because i know you can take the pups off and replant mm -hmm. never tried it because the whole mother plant dies and the the pups you take them off and I guess you just put them in soil, just because uh, they got little roots. Maybe. Well, yeah, we tend yeah. to put
2: them in soil. Most of them are epiphytes; they grow attached to the bark of trees. Mm-hmm. Uh, in most instances, but uh, we we plant them in soil, and as long as it's not too soggy, they'll do fine in that. Now, this is we talked earlier about not putting a uh, putting ripening fruit in the fridge because it will destroy the flower bud on tulip bulbs. But if you If you want to force a bromeliad into bloom, just take a clear plastic sack, cover it, and put a couple of slices of apple on top of the soil and seal it up so the ethylene gas can be Mm. caught inside that, and it will force a bromeliad into bloom. Because most bromeliads take up to about three years to bloom, and then... The bloom will last six months or so, then the plant will last probably another six months or so, but it is it takes a good while to bring that up. So if you want to force them into bloom, you can do that with just a couple mm-hmm. of slices of apple and a plastic bag.
1: Because the other, not because, but it's hard to tell if you're going to a retail place to know how long that's already been blooming, because yeah. what if you're on the fifth? Month, But it looks like it just started.
2: Yeah. Check your flower. You know, if it's in bud, which most of them aren't sold until they're in bud, uh, you want to make sure that the buds at the base of it have not started opening, you know, because it's going to open up further down the stem as it goes along. Uh, Or if it's one that's got the flowers down inside of it, make sure that they're tight, they're not brown or anything in there. And most of those need to have water kept in the mm-hmm. center, and that's the way that they get a good bit of their nutrients is bugs falling in there and, <laughs> and dust and stuff being blown in. They actually absorb nutrients from that through the water. So, um,
1: yeah, see that was always strange to me is why do we have it planted in soil when it gets its nutrients that way, and it's epiphyte that grows on trees, but I guess you got to hold it up
2: that's right it's got to <laughs> be attached to something you know yeah. and and it, it is you can attach' them to pieces of wood if you want to, mm-hmm. and we use liquid nail uh the roots will actually grow through that wow. so it's it's very easy to attach a bromelia to a board or something mm-hmm. like that with a little liquid nail
1: see that shows how- how plants just take over a whole they can take over a whole house and like Oh, yeah. A short amount of time yeah, because we they can a, just grow on anything. Um,
2: again, Vaichin joined our Mid South, our Mid our South Gardening Facebook group, but we had a, a lady post where her room, she said, I don't have a greenhouse, so this is what I have to do. And it's just loaded with plants. I mm-hmm. mean, everywhere you look, there are racks with plants on them. Uh, but it's, it's done, done well. Mm-hmm. I mean, The pots
1: all look like coordinated It's nice
2: She's got stuff coming into bloom So you know once you become a plant person There's mm -hmm. always room for another plant
1: I saw there is (laughs) Yes that's so true I saw a house that was all container gardens And it's really hard To take a lot of containers And make it not look cluttered And nice and neat It's really hard to do that And hers was so strategically planted out And it looks like that she could not garden in the ground anymore. Mm-hmm. So she just had planters put in all kinds of areas, and now she can garden. Yeah. And it looks good. Always a way away. All right, let's run to a break and uh, give us a call,
0: 844-747-8868. Don't go anywhere. More of Mid-South Gardening coming up.
1: Good morning and welcome to Mid-South Gardening. If you have gardening questions, give us a call toll-free 844-748-8868. And one of the things about the end of summer is the whitefly.
2: Man, it's been it seems to be particularly heavy this year and they're really mm-hmm. tiny. Um,
1: oh, they're tinier than normal.
2: Smaller, it looks like than normal. Oh, or maybe great. I'm just that's... getting a younger crop or something. Oh, but maybe
1: that's what I saw. They're then
2: very, very tiny. Um, in fact, I tried to catch a photograph of one to put on the on our Facebook group, but it I, I couldn't get one.
1: Quit bragging about your great camera on your phone. I, 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 <laughs> That'd be hard to get. I spent
2: big money. I bought me a new camera for 190 dollars.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know. Oh well, it's so worth it for the great pictures <laughs> yeah. and all. It'll um. it'll
2: do macro filming so I can mm-hmm. get very close to something which is something which I've you know I, I have a camera to do that but you don't always have the camera with you No So um, but it, I've, I've enjoyed it this week the few days that I've had it Um
1: But the white fly is still, but I can't believe you could still get a picture of a white fly. Yeah,
2: I got really close to one, but then he flew off. But anyway, they're particularly bad. Now, the first thing is they're they're probably not going, I say probably now, they're probably not going to do a lot of damage this late in the season, Mm -hmm. okay? Um, It's going to turn off cool here fairly quickly, get some 50-degree nights, and I think that'll slow them down some. But you can't kill white flies on your shrubs. Okay. You're always going to see them because they're migratory. They fly from your yard to somebody else's and, and back. So you want to think about protecting the plant if you're having a really severe case of them. Uh, and that means by using a systemic insecticide. They have a very small piercing mouth part. So if you spray the plant, they're not going to get a whole lot of chemical if it's something they have to ingest. Um, so, you know... A systemic that's inside the plant is the best way to protect them. And it's the same with lace bugs, um, spider mites. You know, if you can use a systemic to kill them, it's the easiest way to do it and give you the longest control. But again, if you killed every white flower on your property, you come back in 20 minutes after you sprayed and they're going to be more. Because okay?
1: there's, there's so many eggs on the back, yeah. little white are they're clear all over the place plus the yeah. fact that
2: they're just going to fly back in yeah so you know but if you've treated your plants you know that it's protected
3: you know and uh,
1: yeah because we're just trying to offer more protection because why right. yeah um i always wanted to try to solve the problem naturally and there this was just on one gardenia that was just covered with white fly so i sprayed neem fertilized it um it wasn't a lot of shade, though, which made it probably more susceptible yep. to the white fly. And so then we came back a week, and I didn't do any fertilization. I just did spray foliage with uh, fertilizer and then sprayed neem again. I had good results with that one, and it was not a huge one. So I debated, you know, going when I do all natural, like what, you know, I have a row, a big row of things. And... I'll stu- you have to fertilize anyway. So fertilizing is not a bad thing to do with uh, organic matter. But would I constantly want to spray that, spray the foliage with anything That's constantly point. Point. to keep it down? And
2: neem, one of the upsides of neem is um, it, it has some repellent qualities as well as um, if you coat them with it because it's an oil, it will kill them. Now there is also in regular when when it's extracted from the neem tree, it has something called aziractin in it, which is a good insecticide. Uh, you can buy that; commercial growers use that a lot uh, in greenhouses and that sort of thing. But uh, it's not in the neem that you get if it says clarified oil, Hydroponic yeah, or something like hydrophobic that, yeah. something yeah. or other. <laughs> um, it's uh, that means the aziractin's not in there. Yeah. So, and that's
1: um, frustrating because that's when I started using it. Had It, it, it did when first I started it using it. And I think it reduces the effectiveness. Does it reduce the effectiveness of, uh, just enough to make a difference? Yeah, I'm yeah I think so. Now, yeah. One
2: thing also with Neem is, and we talked about this, we try to remind people every time, is it separates very quick out of your water. So if you're using a tank sprayer, you want to keep it agitated as you're spraying. Shake that thing continually, mm-hmm. really. Uh, because if not, you're going to end up spraying water, basically, at the at the bottom of it. Yeah. And then when you get to the top, you're going to be spraying higher concentrations of neem. And quite often, I mm-hmm. see burn from that. Uh, yeah,
1: that's a good point. Yeah,
2: well, if they've not shaken it good, then when they get down to the end of the sprayer, you get, as it collects on the edge of the leaves and the sun mm-hmm. comes out the next day, it, that oil will actually burn. So... Uh, do keep it agitated yeah. when you do it. That's one of the products that I really like to apply with a hose-in sprayer because uh, you can shake it. it. It does some of that shaking for you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's easier to to shake that and keep it uh, stirred up than it is in a tank sprayer.
1: Yeah, I use the tank sprayer and uh, I would shake it up, set it down, spray. Shake it up, set it down, spray. Yeah. And I'm thinking, again, if I have a whole bunch of stuff to take care of, am I going to want to do that? But the hose-in sprayer is uh, definitely good for that. It's good for liquid fertilizer, too, the hose-in sprayers. Mm-hmm. But y'all need to – y'all need yeah. – Give us a you want to answer your questions. Yeah, we, we want to know what you're thinking out there. Is,
2: uh, what, tell them the number.
1: It's 844 uh, 747 Eight eight six eight. You can also watch us on Facebook Live, and you can listen to our podcast and and so forth. We talked about um, earlier that just don't. We're not going to go into the whole thing again, but just know that the goldenrod is not what you're allergic to. You need to plant goldenrod because it's a great late pollinator for the butterflies, bees. That's migrating. It's the ragweed. That um, you don't even see what it looks like. That blows the seeds, which makes you allergic. Know, you allergic be surprised it's how many gardens
2: I see it actually growing in where people don't realize that it's yeah. a weed yeah. that's in there.
1: Yeah, it's got a cool seed head on it, actually, I think. But again, um, you'll see goldenrod available in garden centers. So go ahead and go with it. It gets tall, yeah. but it's beautiful, buttery yellow. Um, it's your late blooming um, type of perennial and along with the joe pie weed because everybody wants to know what blooms in the fall and that would be goldenrod joe pie weed we're still you know the comb flower blooming in the fall but a lot of times you're looking for the foliage for fall or the berries for fall mm-hmm. yeah because we were talking about natives and I've never, I, we didn't mention the winterberry.
2: Oh, yeah. Winterberry and possum hall, two different varieties of deciduous hollies that yeah. are great to have red berries all through the winter, but they drop their leaves. Yeah, uh,
1: and a lot of people don't like that, but it's worth it. We'll be right back. morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. If you have gardening questions, call us toll-free, 844-747-8868.
2: want to remind everybody about our Facebook group. We had Hilda join during a break here. Thank you very much. But Mid-South Gardening, um, we have a, a great Facebook group there. Please join it. You can post pictures and brag. You can just uh, um, ask questions. Uh, or you can just learn a lot from reading. So, please, if you haven't join Mid-South Garden.
1: It's fantastic and wonderful-looking pictures, and especially because you have people from all over. Yes. And so you get to see some different things going on in different gardens, and sometimes you find out that it's Mid-South Garden's pretty great. It is. You know, and to I, garden. And we, have,
2: we have members from all around the, the world, really. We mm-hmm. have a number of English uh, people in England and that area that are members, Australian members. Um I think so. the
1: biggest thing about people moving into Memphis is learning the soil prep because <laughs> so many people from other areas go, I could just stick it in the ground. Yeah, I never thought about spending $60 on the soil and 30 on the plant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, let's see. We've got a caller. Good morning, Steve. You're in the Mid-South Garden. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for the call. How can we help you?
4: We have a uh a bed that separates us and our neighbor, and it's been growing for 30 years. And here about two weeks ago, the, I guess I'm saying it right, unanimous.
1: Close, Mm -hmm. unanimous. Mm -hmm. All, all, All ways are good. All pronunciations are good for that one.
4: All the foliage was gone except for the top. And my neighbor and I were looking at it and... He said they were deer prints. Why would deer eat the foliage and not eat the top?
1: Oh, Why would they not eat the top of the shrub but eat the foliage off the sides of the shrub? Right. Uh, The height of it, possibly? The deer couldn't get to the top of it, maybe?
4: It's not that tall. Yes,
5: it is.
1: Yep. <laughs> That's so cute. <laughs> we heard that in the background. <laughs> well, tender leaves. The leaves are more tender. I'm yeah. trying to get over this yeah. one real quick. Yeah, tender leaves, possible. Yeah, it's, that was
2: just an accident. I mean, we used to have my nursery come in and just eat the tops off the of roses. You know, they wouldn't touch the the mature foliage. They just wanted the tops of the flower buds. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're kind of picky. And, I mean, I live in kind of old-town Bartlett and Went out one day and I've got deciduous azaleas and all the tops had been um, your camera's going off. No, that was my phone. (laughs) Um, All the tops had been eaten. Flower buds had been eaten off my deciduous azaleas, and they're you know three and a half, four feet tall. Mm -hmm. So they weren't rabbits or anything like that. This was this would had deer had come in there, and I've seen deer not far from the house, but you just don't expect them, you know, in a residential area like that to come in and just shear them off, but. Um, the only bad thing about what happened Is that they didn't prune them all the way to the ground
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> you don't like those euonymus, I'm not a big euonymus <laughs> fan no.
2: But, you know, and it's kind of late now But next spring you probably ought to do a little hard pruning on them To let them come back out and look good again
1: And the big question is How do you make them not eat the shrubs, right? Yeah Which is so impossible Well, I mean, you can make them taste
2: bad. There are some things that you can spray on them and spray around them, Um,
1: and you know maybe you can reduce the eating too. And
2: one of the biggest things the nursery I worked at was out in more of a a country area than in the city. We sold a good bit of Milorganite fertilizer Mm -hmm. for just that as a as a deer repellent because they don't like the smell of it. Um, And you know if you treat the area. Don't just treat the bed, but treat the area outside the bed so that they smell that before they get into it. Uh, it does a good job at keeping them out.
1: That's really worth the try, the mill organite. Yeah. What did we get your question, Steve?
4: You got it. Thank you. Thanks Come so much for us. the
1: call. <laughs> yeah, that deer question. I always just feel yeah. really sad when they ask me because I mean you're like bottom line. Um, you know, like this one, I might've told this last time, but a lady had a six foot or five foot fence maybe. And it has the points on the top and the deer were jumping out and getting skewed by that. And so she didn't want the deer in her yard, but she sure didn't want that to happen. You know? So what was, how would you, you know, she was like, how would you fix that? And so you need to make your fence higher. Or cut the points off of it. Yeah, that's easier too, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Because, you know, the higher their fence is, it's harder to jump over. But also, I had heard, because there's so many little secrets, you know, that people have experienced with that. But I think this one was pretty scientific, that if you have two fences (laughs) and they're not uh, that far apart, then the deer can jump over the one, but he can't get enough run to get over the second one. Maybe for vegetable garden. I don't know. I the best thing for vegetable gardens is enclose the whole thing in a cage. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen that before. So really, the thing that I've heard, like you just said, was the mill organite. or
2: yeah. you know, I've heard pretty good success with these motion-activated hose oh, sprinklers yeah. <laughs> that uh, you know it, it comes on if, if something. Even humans, I yeah, found I, out. You know,
1: <laughs> Did you find out? <laughs> no, but I wanted to put one out in my side garden,
2: you know, because, you know, I have some neighbors who let their dogs go and they come over and, get, and use my yard, and, you know, which I really don't appreciate. Right. Um, so, yeah, you know, I I've I've kind of tempted to put one of those out there.
1: I think mm-hmm. that's a good idea, but the millorganite also you you know y'all you know you're gonna get deer in your yard, especially mm-hmm. if you had issues. So start at the beginning of the season before they're feeding, so you can you know go ahead and tell you know, make them think it's not a desirable place to go, or you can wait later but the deer have already come in and got some munching on it so they know how good it is that they might not be repelled as much by the milorganite you know focus
2: on deer pretty um, habit forming they like to come in from the same area you know use the same pathway so treat that area really well with milorganite treat your beds and a 20 foot barrier on the outside of the bed you know if you just if you got hostas you know they're going to come get them Then just you want to treat a wider area so that they smell the the milorganite before they get into it, and for a day or two after you put it down, you'll smell it. But it it lasts four to six weeks usually. Um, You know, I think it's and and it's not going to burn. It's safe to put on your vegetable garden. It fertilizes your yard. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's a good organic option to uh, cover large areas, Uh, and you know, and it works pretty well. Used to. One time the EPA cracked down on them because they said, well, if you're going to claim to be a deer repellent, um, you need to be as classified as a repellent and not as a a um, fertilizer. So they put out letters and said, hey, don't talk about it being, it's not, it's, mm-hmm. it's fertilizer. But then there were enough college, university studies that found that Milorganite actually did work that um, it's now what's called common knowledge. So it's an off-label use that is accepted. Uh, you won't find it on the label, but you know, it, um, there's advertising material that tells how good it works, and and it, it really does. You know, It's mm-hmm. a great fertilizer.
1: That's like you said, off-label. That is like a lot of products that we use. They can't put everything on the label, right. or they haven't tested everything. So, if you try to go off label, experiment with one, maybe one thing. Yeah, spray you know. a little
2: bit on the backside of something to make sure it's not going to knock the foliage off or something. You know, and I know if people are going to do some research on Millorganite, they're going to see stuff that says <laughs> it has heavy metals in it.
1: It's that humanoid. Yeah,
2: okay. Well, here are <laughs> the facts every fertilizer you put out there, regardless of what it is, has got heavy metals in it. Um, it goes back to uh, back in. When Lou Gehrig came down with with Lou Gehrig's disease, most all of the uh, major football, major athletic fields were being treated with millorganite, and um, that was the one common thing that they found. And there seemed to be a higher percentage of Lou Gehrig's disease in uh, professional sportsmen. Um, so the, it got tied to it, the heavy metals there, but there was really no really good research that ever did that. I mean, they didn't look at things like the fact that all the baseball fields had lead pipes in them you know, that were built, you know, around the turn of the century. Mm-hmm. So there were other issues that it very well could have been. Just not deep uh, enough research. No, it that. wasn't. Uh, and the fact is that for you to reach toxic levels of heavy metals in your soil, you'd have to remove a full 12 inches of your soil and fill it back with 12 inches of melorganite to even yeah. get near the minimum amount, you know, that's... Uh, the, That could affect you. So, you know, it's... So no worries because nobody's going to do that.
1: Anyway, uh, we were talking about the native shrubs earlier, but there are um, a couple of shrubs that I'm beginning to like a lot. And uh, it's a replacement for the autolucan laurel because it gets little holes in it. The distillium. distillium, yeah, you were thinking that the distillium. There's one that I'm in love with now called the Blue Cascade. Mm-hmm. It's That's lower, a pretty one. yeah, bigger foliage, more compact looking, more um, not formal but more in control. Yes. And then there's a vintage uh, J. Vintage
2: J. There's a linebacker. It's an upright mm-hmm. version. There's been I mean, there are dozens of them now on the market. Distilliums really in the last twenty years have just. Their production has mm-hmm. exploded. They've found so many different varieties. Yeah, um, so
1: try a distillium, which looks pretty with Laura Petalum. Yeah,
2: it's a pretty evergreen shrub. Now, one thing you want to do, whatever the label says on it as far as size, give it more room. Yeah. Uh, here, particularly in, in the Mid-South, they seem to like our soil. Uh, and they get very large. They, mm-hmm. uh, we found had, that out at the Botanic we Gardens. We did. Right? There were somebody <laughs> planted there, and they overgrew boxwoods, overgrew the annuals. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, and yeah. it's tough to control all of that. You know, with the minimum amount of staff that they have.
1: Right, because you would be pruning a yeah. lot. Yeah. yeah. It is, it kind of it looks good, like for um, upright, spiky foliage. But after we run to the break, we'll go over a few more things. Yeah, and um, we'll head out. We'll be right back.
0: You're listening to Mid South Gardening.
1: Good morning, and welcome back to Mid South Gardening. So I was uh, just—we're always looking for people to work in the garden industry, always. So I was reading Jim the job description.
2: She scared me off. (laughs) I'm like, but likes to work in the rain, in the heat, unload trucks.
1: Yeah, (laughs) have some knowledge, a little bit on annuals, perennials. But you also had to clean the bathrooms, too. I know. And so nobody's answering me back. I know. <laughs> but um, I said maybe I should just say, oh, wrong job description and then get them in and then go, ha I got gotcha you now. Start loading. But anyway, didn't you have a few things before the end? I mean, we just talk about so much stuff that um, we wonder if you absorb it all. And I'm that's glad why we're here. Every I week. was going to so say, can, I'm you glad ask, you're you know. not absorbing it all, so you'll listen to us every week. We really enjoy all of our listeners, and um, I'm thinking, okay, this week the weather's pretty decent. Pansies, I am putting pansies in. Yep,
2: it's getting time. Yeah, now Pansy- get you know we've got warm ground temperature right now, and that's good. You'll get good root development, even if the pansies don't explode with color, but they're mm-hmm. getting established. So you know. They're going to be fabulous in the spring, but the sooner you get them in right now with these seventy degree days, the better off you're going to be. Yeah, you know, you got snapdragons. I've got snapdragons that are coming back that I planted last fall that that look great, Uh, both some dwarfs and the standards. So, you know, it's uh, some of those will last a long time for you if you just baby them
3: a little mm-hmm.
1: bit. I mean, they made it through the one-degree weather, but we had snow on it. That's right. But would they have made it if we didn't have snow with that one I th- degree? I think so.
3: I think
2: so.
1: Yeah, because they're more The cold's not so yeah. much the thing.
2: You know, yeah. pansies are considered long-lived annuals because mm-hmm. we ten- we grow them through a winter instead of through a summer um
1: and we've got them from october to sometimes june but typically may
2: yeah normally you know we start pulling them out when it's time to put in the regular
1: annuals and that's when they look their best
2: you know right Um, so
1: definitely do some pansies and then the violas are good things too
2: you know i had even with the snow i had uh, ornamental kale yeah. Oh, uh, uh, and the Swiss chard I, I was real pleased with. Yeah, came through beautifully in, the, in zero degrees
3: temperature.
1: Well, do you notice, like on the cabbage and kale, that if you go with the kale that's more leafy, that don't it doesn't it's not able to uh, hold water or ice because it drains out more, so it doesn't have such a um, mm-hmm. issue in the winter. Yeah, I
2: could see that, and it's really all kale. We call it cabbage, but every yeah. bit of it is actually a kale.
1: Yeah, so if you have some of them um, on your front porch, even, or in containers, Mm -hmm. that's really, because I don't really see much cabbage uh, or kale planted as a border.
2: Mm, It's a little pricey to do that. That's the thing. yeah. Yeah, you know, if you're planting lots of it. Because you don't see mm-hmm. them in little cell packs. They're just in gallon pots, usually. Yeah, because you don't want to wait yeah. for the cell
1: packs to grow.
2: Right. I love the the peacock kale, though. It's My just, favorite, yeah. yeah. it's just really nice looking.
1: Now, you could do a mustard border. Yeah. You know, that would be pretty.
2: But the, the bright colors of the Swiss chard was just, it was oh, really stunning this past
1: Jim, year. Jim, Jim, have you ever seen a Swiss chard? I promise you that's five feet tall.
2: Well, I've heard that they get that big. You know, Swiss chard has not oh. grown a lot here as yeah. far as a a garden vegetable, mm-hmm. and usually the younger the leaves, the more tender it is. So we typically pick them to, yeah. before they get as big as a house.
1: When I walked in this backyard, I thought I was in Alice in Wonderland. I had to just recheck. So, <laughs> are we in the right uh, right week? But it, I mean, I, I it was had irrigation all the time, and it was pla- planted in a raised bed. Perfect I'm just conditions. still shocked. I'm sure you wouldn't eat it, though.
2: It'd be tough, but, yeah, you know, it depends on kid. how hungry you are. Yeah,
1: yeah. Hey, you can make edible container gardens by putting your mustard and your Swiss chard in there because you just yeah. clip some off and put it in your salad or on your sandwich. That's
2: right. Leaf lettuce, black-seeded Simpson. I mean, in 20 mm-hmm. days, you can have a crop from yeah. the time you plant it. So you can have a little baby lettuce, you know, real quick mm-hmm. and, and makes a nice little garden. Ooh, what what nice
1: salad. Yeah. Oh, that one, I'm hungry now. So, um, also the microgreens, that would mm-hmm. be a good thing to get for through the winter time to grow and have some little fresh microgreens. As long as you're in a good light situation. Yeah,
2: got to have some sunlight, you know. And, and if you're growing so you're, undercover, yeah. remember you got you're the only source of water. Right.
1: So many light, people plant
2: yeah. containers to go on their on their front porch with winter stuff in it. But they don't realize it's not getting the rain. You know, you've yes. got to get water on there, Or
1: even under the eaves. Yeah. Yeah, oh, good point. You have to water. And what's it? time for us to go?
2: Pretty quick. Again, remind you to join our Facebook group, Mid-South Gardening. There are some questions. We want you to read the rules because we're a little bit of a different group. Okay, but we got a lot of good experts. We have lots of information on there, and uh, and you know, any time during the week, you got a question, zap it on there. Right. You'll get an answer in just a few minutes, and it will be right. If it's not, I'll correct them. Yeah. So there.
1: And if uh, you miss it, I'll see it. I'll call you. That's right. Yeah. Uh, also, we like you to shop local. Go to the independent garden centers. I know you have to go everywhere and check all plants out. But um, independent garden centers are where you get your knowledge, and it's and, it's and fun too to, good to quality go. Quality plants,
2: you know that they're take well, taken care of. So it's it's a good place to go. Yeah. Now I have to admit, I have bought some no, stuff. with them. me back too. Years ago, that when I was didn't. traveling, and I went to there was a, a Walmart in Starfield, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Great people ran it there, I bought two hundred hostas for a quarter apiece, Put them in the back of my car and took them home.
1: Woohoo. Well, y'all should check out the garden centers <laughs> for specials on perennials because yeah. that happened. All right, we will see you next weekend in the Mid-South Garden.